Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary.org Hardcore 2.0, episode 42. In this one, we're going to be talking about bulking cycle with orals from Parapharma. So this one is going to be really interesting because we're not going to uh, talk about injectables on this one. So those of you out there who've never used oral steroids, those of you out there who would like to use steroids for the first time and you're looking at using orals, those of you out there who would like to switch from using injectables to orals, or perhaps you want to use orals on your next cycle. For bulking, we're going to talk about all the orals on this one. We're going to go over all the options Parapharma has, and they have many. We're going to go over, we're going to kind of go over the perspectives between clean bulk and dirty bulk. We're going to give you some different stack ideas and how to run them. And of course, we're also going to give you some tips and tricks that no other podcast goes over. So this is going to be a really good one. So strap up. And fasten your seatbelts on this one because Mobster and I are going to bring it. So let's first talk a little bit, Mobster, about Parapharma. And Parapharma has been around for over 12 years now, probably closer to 13, 14 years. They have a great reputation throughout the internet world. Uh, many different forums they've been uh, on. And recently, they've been gaining popularity so much that now they're part of the evolutionary family as well. Over the past year, they've uh, come on board as well on the evolutionary uh, website. And now um, many of our approved sources are selling Parapharma. So they are a really fast, rapidly growing brand, and they're turning into one of the top brands in the world. Really, I think they're one of the top five brands in the world, Mobster. And they have really solid gear. The nice thing about their gear is they have recent certificates of analysis within months, within the past year that they put out. These are independently tested. We've had veterans on the forum, and these guys are really hard to please. All right. These are the vets that, you know, they're posting pretty much every day on the forum. They've got logs going. These guys are no nonsense guys. They have no affiliations with any of the sponsors, any of the approved sources, nothing. They have no biases at all. They're taking the Parapharma gear, different products from Parapharma, and they're sending them off to be tested independently. And they're posting the results. And they're like, damn, this stuff is 98, 99% pure. This is really impressive gear. Um, it's coming in. It's you're you know um, you you order Dianabol and it's supposed to be 20, 20 milligrams in the pack. Well, we're sending it off, and that's what it's saying that it is. It's Dianabol twenty milligrams. It's not saying Dianabol ten milligrams. It's not saying it's Dianabol five milligrams. It's not saying it's Dianabol forty milligrams. It's saying twenty, which is what you're ordering. So the dosage you're taking is the dosage it says it is. What you're taking is what it says it is. It doesn't say it's Winstrol or T-Bowl or, or Superdrol or Anavar or Anadrol. It says it's D-Bowl. When you order D-Bowl, it's D-Bowl. 
that is really nice because Mobster and I both over the years, and we've been doing this a long time, we've run cycles where we have halfway through the cycle realized that we got screwed. We're, we ordered something and it wasn't what it claimed or it was underdosed or it was bunk or it was something else entirely. And that's something that Mobster and I had to deal with years ago before we had the ability to take the gear and have it independently tested ourselves. And that's what we have today. So any brand that is going to uh, play these types of games, um, it's just not going to fly anymore in uh, in these modern times. So Parapharma is one of those. They don't mess around. They don't play games. They sell you what they say they're going to sell you. And they're damn good at their job. Go ahead, Mobster. Absolutely, Steve. I mean, here's the thing, guys. Uh, let, let me explain how this works a little bit. Uh, the age of the internet is a great advantage in this particular regard. So some years ago, you would literally have your local brand, your local supplier, that fella down the gym or whatever else that you source product from. If you were a little bit better informed, and especially if you lived close to Mexico, you could pop over the border and and, and go to pharmacia or buddy would bring some stuff back for you or whatever. So obviously the internet and I'm thinking specifically back in the days of Dan Duquesne and, and Muscle Media was explain how this all worked, kind of insightful, which none of the other magazines were doing. They were telling you how the industry worked, how labs worked, all that kind of stuff. So the information started to creep out. The internet, and especially in the last few years, Steve, we've seen forum members, including forum members we've got right now, take lab products and get them tested. And you'd, obviously the labs themselves grew attention to the fact that the internet was a great way of pushing products. And over time, very big names, I can think of one that was based in Thailand, grew to the almost legendary status. So what's happened, I think, and this is especially true, bearing in mind what Steve said at the beginning of Parapharma, is almost they've started to get the attention that they should have had almost from the beginning, Steve, because uh, literally labs have come and gone, tab tests have been successful, tests have failed, this is different from different labs. Forums come and go, magazines come and go. This happens all the time. It's just the nature of the industry, nature of anything, really. But over time, certain labs, certain products, certain companies stand out. And they, they get to stand out more and more and more against the noisy come and go, who cares what the fuck kind of background. And we, you and I can think of three or four labs like that currently that we have personally used as well. And parafiber is right up there in that particular mix. So, for example, as you know, Steve, I recently run a cut stack using parafiber products. So I can say, hand on heart, listener, viewer, whatever the hell you are, fan of our podcast, I have used parafiber products. And I had, as as uh, um, I'm trying to think of the particular comedian, great success. So here's how it worked for me, Steve. I was doing a cut. I hate dieting, but I dieted. I did more cardio. I dropped weight. I've kept, even now, Steve, I'm not talking about a oh, good grief, probably 10 weeks later now, still down one notch on my belt. And what was super, super crazy, because I was using one of their product, Cut 150, I actually started the recomposition. So I actually went back to my starting weight, and yet I was leaner. I still had that one belt size down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, not only it was a great test for me to see how it went, uh, to see whether I could stick out the time, whether I could diet, whether I could get my waist down, 
whether I felt was I was okay with training, all of those things. And then, of course, you've got literally how did the product feel to me when it was used? So all of those kind of things, that's what you, the listener, should also have when it comes to experience of a lab. It's very easy to talk about a lab's reputation and go this way and go that way and what my buddy said and what the man down the gym said and all that kind of stuff. But when you have specific personal experience, it's hand-on-heart stuff. It is touching the good book. And you turn around and say, this is what's happened. This is how it worked for me. I can say how I felt on a product and so on and so forth. So that's 100%. The other thing, and we've talked about this when we talk about Parapharma and other approved sources, is the length of time that they're out there. You do not get to stay 10, 11, 12, 13, coming up on 14 years, I believe, for Parapharma, Steve, without producing solid ass products. You don't get to do that again. And I've talked about members testing, forum members testing, not just their own products, in the case of Parapharma, but the, the Parapharma themselves posting. I want to see this on every damn site that produces PED, Steve. Parapharma is one of the ones that does this, where there's literally a page on the parapharma.org site where you can go and see for yourself independent lab tests, certificates of analysis and the like, Steve. So that is 100% for me, something that I want to see all the time. And then I've just touched on other things, whether it's the visual appearance of a product. If uh, I'm old enough and ugly enough, and we still see this occasionally, someone will post a picture of a vial that's turned up, testosterone, whatever, the labels skew with. You don't get to see the ones now anymore, Steve, because it has got better as an industry as a whole, but there used to be products with stuff floating away in there, Steve, or poor bungs, or the little clasp that holds the bung in, in, just wasn't on properly. And they're just stupid stuff like that. Parapharma products are produced professionally. They look professional. The, the, the number, I can't think, I'm just going to say the number, but I actually can't think of a number, Steve, of people saying that they've had issues with Parapharma products. And this against listeners. I say this all the time. You don't have to trust my word on this. You can go on the forums and look for yourself. You can say, is there a post where someone's complaining about Parapharma products? At the worst, it's where it's stung a little bit when they've injected it, Steve. And that literally might come down to the user. Heck, it's been that long since I did injectables, apart from the recent two cycles. <laughs> I was a bit cacaded with it. So I wasn't getting post-injection pain for the product. I was getting post-injection pain, Steve, because I was moving a damn syringe around, putting that bloody thing in. And that was just me being out of practice. Once I realized what I was doing, it got better straight away. So 100%, love the product, tried the product. I'm hand on heart say that I got great success with it. So, and of course, all the other examples that I've already given, Steve. Yeah, back to you. So next segment we're going to talk about is clean bulking versus dirty bulking. And look, this can do different things. Now, look, I, at one point, I sort of did a dirty bulk, but it wasn't a super dirty bulk. And and what it was basically is I increased my calories a lot. I was eating a lot. I'd wake up in the morning and eat, go work out, come home, eat, eat a big lunch, eat a big post-lunch, eat a big dinner. I mean, I was bulking like crazy because my appetite was crazy on steroids. I put on over the course of a year, I went from 7% body fat to 17% body fat. And I wasn't even eating like bad foods. Like I go out to a restaurant here and there, but it was like a good restaurant. It wasn't like going to like a Chili's or something, you know, where it's all junk food. I go like to decent restaurants, but like I wasn't even like dirty bulking, like a true dirty bulk. 
I mean, hell, you can go from 7% body fat on a steroid cycle and go like to 25% body fat. You can like really, really get fat, you know, during a dirty, doing a dirty bulk for a year, eating McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and Subway and pizza and all this other junk food. Um, so, so really dirty bulking would be just throwing whatever at your body, just tons of calories, tons of bad fats, tons of refined foods, tons of sugars at your body and just trying to put on as much mass as you can eating at, you know, um, a golden corral style of buffet. I don't know if you have that in England, uh, mobster, but golden corral is like some shitty low class, uh, buffet with like all junk food and chocolate and all this other crap and fried chicken and, and all this junky food and pizza. And basically you just go there and you just stuff yourself. And if you just ate, if you ate that golden corral food every day, you could definitely get fat. That's why everyone who goes there is like obese, you know? So, uh, it's one of those things where it's just like that. That's the way I look at it, monster. It's like a dirty bulk. Just throw whatever I want in body. A Big Mac, a, a Whopper, you know, pizza, a whole slam. Let's saw, slam a whole pizza. Let's go to Outback Steakhouse and buy a, a bloom, get a blooming onion, the bread, and the the Caesar salad, which is drenched in in, in dressing, and uh, a huge ass steak, uh, cooked in 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 animal fecal. Um, you know, just garbage and then ordering dessert afterwards, a chocolate, you know, a slice of chocolate cake afterwards. That's a dirty bulking. That's just, just, let's just add as much mass as we can. And by gosh, like you can go from skinny as a rail to fat doing a, a dirty bulk. So it's not something I recommend, but so it's like, I look at it, monsters, like different stages. Like I did sort of a dirty bulk, but it wasn't a dirty bulk because I was still eating 90% healthy foods. It's just that I was eating a lot of healthy foods. I was eating like big, big meals. I was getting a bison burger with Ezekiel bun and tomatoes and lettuce. It's not bad at all um, because the bread is quality. It's quality, you know, it's as good a bread as you're going to find. And it's a, a grass fed bison burger and it's, you know, it's cooked at home, you know, not used with, with bad oils, but it was still a lot of calories. So I'd eat one of those, then I'd go work out and eat another one of them when I'd come home. So I'd make two of them and have one ready for when I get home and reheat it. So it was like just eating a lot of food, mobster. And I was still able to put on a lot of mass over the course of a year. I think I put on about 20 pounds, 20, 25 pounds. And I went from 7% to 17% body fat. So I got bigger and stronger. And that was sort of my version of a dirty bulk. So yeah, I, mean, I think, I think you thinking, could call that more of a clean bulk, actually, because I wasn't eating dirty foods. What's your perspective on it? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I see this stuff like when uh, even now you get a lot of traction when people do these these uh, eating challenges, I think. And, and uh, while they might get a lot of traction, that's not how that athlete is eating on a daily basis. But a dirty bulk is kind of like that all the time, Steve. And one of the things I said to Steve, if, ironically, it's actually going to be a bit of a tip later on. That's how fucked up the situation is when it comes to dirty bulking. It's the visual thing. I think there's an argument to be made when you're dirty bulking. You almost get into the whole, what's your favorite dirty bulk thing? And people are post stuff like a Philly cheese or whatever else, absolutely saturated with the shredded beef and, and, and a cheese and God knows what else, the sauces or whatever, piled up on top or they'll put up like one of those whole cheesecakes. And, and I, I've had my moments, it has to be said. But again, I'm not a bodybuilder, so I don't need that, you know, six-pack thing and, and, and to be super lean. And, and I, I suspect it's there's, there's also an element of here 
uh, if it fits your macros, except in this example, you're kind of expanding those macros to fit something else. So what happens on if it fits your macros, if you're not familiar, is essentially so long as the, cal the, the calorie count is good, the carb and the fat is enough for the numbers that you're supposed to be having, the protein is high enough, you can eat what the hell you like. But in reality, that means it ends up being crap like pizza all the time, Steve, or the world's worst sugary breakfast or whatever else. And, you know, it just get it, it arguably, and I said this on another show when we were talking about bulking, I think the problem you get with a dirty bulk, I think there's almost an element of it gets out of control. It then ends up being far too many calories and you don't care. As you said, well, Steve went from 7 to 17%. What, what Steve really wanted if there's an element argument for, for leverage, Steve, being a little bit fatty, a little bit of soft tissue, does help with the leverage when it comes to being strong. But in reality, the great and vast majority of listeners are going to be more the, the look than the strength. They're going to be wanting to look muscular. So the more fat you put on, the more water you add to your system, the, the, the softer you get, the 17% versus the 7%, Steve gave an example of, it's just fat and stuff you're going to have to lose, you know? So uh, I will talk, touch upon briefly, and this is a part of the nature versus whatever argument. So here's the thing. It is perfectly normal, and this is where Dirty Bulk might almost be okay, maybe. It is perfectly normal for you to be leaner in the summer versus slightly fatter, slightly more puffy in the winter zone. Yes, we have centrally heated houses. Yes, we can wear, you know, high top rating clothing and a great duvet and electric blankets and whatever else. And our cars are warmed up when we go out to them and get into the beef. Never mind having to sit in there freezing your ass off right for the warm up like the old days. All of those things are true. But nature is something you can't get past. And nature is thus. In the colder months, you tend to be softer looking. You tend to have a higher body fat percentage just to protect your organs, just to protect the simple fact that typically in prehistory, historical times, when man was just about standing up and walking around and realising he can hunt and gather and whatever else, it was a bastard to eat in the wintertime, Steve. You had to work twice as hard to find less food than you did in the summertime in the spring and to a lesser degree in the autumn. So you naturally stored body fat to survive, not just the cold, but literally to have calories carried on your person so to speak so don't get too carried away guys dirty bulk's fun for sure but don't equally obsess with staying at seven percent all year round you will find it much harder to do in the winter time and the colder months than you will in the summertime and the hotter months now i'll flip over now to what we would call a clean bulk steve or, or, or even a lean bulk right so here's the thing and this is much more true i think now of the modern times, and certainly in the last 20, 30 years. I know, because I'm a studier of the history of the Iron Game, bodybuilding especially, how guys would easily put on 20 or 30 pounds, sometimes 40 pounds, from their competition weight to the off-season weight. We don't see that as much for a couple of reasons. One is that we are way more visual now, so that's a lot more photographs on Instagram, Facebook, social media, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it. And so, therefore, there's even an argument commercially just to make a living that you stay in something like reasonable shape throughout the year. And you do that, especially if you're putting out videos on a regular daily or weekly basis. People don't want to, and they, they won't be as attracted to you as fans, and you won't make as much money if you're massively out of shape. 
you need to get your head round, listen to the listeners and viewers of those people as well, that you will be a little bit softer, but not, you know, fat as fuck with your belly hanging out. And then the other argument is thus. Back in the day, they learned eventually that if you added 20 or 30 pounds and 20 pounds, 20 of that 30 pounds was fat, that was 20 pounds of fat that you had to lose when it comes to the spring, when it comes to when the competition started again, when the photo shoots, when the magazines needed you. And the magazines don't want you to turn up for a photo shoot with your belly hanging over your belt buckle. You're not going to get asked. They're just going to send you home. You're not going to get paid. So the same thing applies to competition. None of us loves, really loves those cutting cardio, Steve, or having to do clean or fat burners or whatever. It's just because how goddamn hard it is fasted cardio and all that kind of stuff. If the more out of shape you get, the harder it is to get into shape. So that's the difference, arguably, Steve, between dirty bulking and allowing yourself to get out of shape and eating any old crap, which is not healthy, versus clean bulking. I'll also use an analogy that I've used on these shows before, and I'll reference a Mr. Olympia, Dexter Jackson, like I've done in the past. And Dexter said it thus. He says, if I'm known as the blade for the condition that I'm in, all the time. That was the nickname. That was the reason why. And I was able to get into the shape of winning Mr. Olympia. You would argue that my genetics were superior when it comes to being in shape, to being dry, to being lean. And yet I didn't feel that I could get away with eating crap, that I could dirty bulk, as it were. He would eat the same goddamn dry, horrible, tasteless, whatever food that top competition bodybuilders have to eat, whether that's rice, or fish, or chicken breast, with minimal spices and sauces and this kind of thing on it. He literally ate the same goddamn clean diet that everybody else did when it came to getting into shape. So he says he didn't think he could get away with eating shit, and, and even with his great genetics. So if you have genetics that aren't as good as Dexter Jackson, it makes more sense to do it as it should be done. Now, of course, listener, it's your choice. We're going to say to you, this is what it is, this is how it works, and then you choose which you want to do, Steve. So, yeah, let's go on to the next topic. All right, so the next one we're talking about is can you stack more than one oral at a time? And this is an important one to discuss before we get into the fun stuff and talk about our favorite oral cycles, oral uh, steroids that Parapharma has to offer. Um, and, look, at the end of the day – it. It's it's one of those things where blood work doesn't lie, but people do. And a lot of people out there who are against oral steroids, look, that's their opinion. They don't like oral steroids for whatever reason. They prefer to use injectables, and that's fine. You know, everyone has their preferences. But really, like we've seen the blood work and we've seen the evidence that shows that using oral steroids can be just as safe as using injectables, if not more safe in some situations. And it depends on your dosing and it depends how many you're using. Now, if you're going to use some of these oral steroids, it's better to use them solo because if you start stacking them, now you're getting into more of the uh, toxicity when it comes to the, um, you know, the way that they're uh, structured. They're 17 alpha alkylated. In, in all the ones that we're going to talk about, Mobster, are going to be sev or 17 alpha alkylated, meaning they don't get destroyed by the liver. Um, if they weren't, um, the uh, one, for example, Proviron, which is not one we're going to talk about because obviously it's not for bulking, but Proviron is not 17 alpha alkylated. So it doesn't have a good absorption 
So when you take it, it's not going to give you uh, so much of a punch as one of the other oral steroids I'm going to talk about in that will. So it is true that the oral steroids I'm going to talk about are liver toxic. So it depends on what you're running them at. If you're going to run two oral steroids together and you run them both at 50% less than the typical dosage, then it's going to have the same toxicity as running one at 100% of the recommended dosage, if that makes sense. And then, of course, some of the oral steroids, like Superdrol, for example, which is what we're going to talk about in a bulk, is going to be more toxic than, say, an Anavar or a T-Bol. That's just the way it's structured in the body. So if you were to run Superdrol at 100% of the dosage that's usually run by bodybuilders, I'll let you in a mobster in a second, then you run another steroid like Anadrol or Winstrol, which are very also very liver toxic and very toxic in other ways, then you're going to run into uh, a lot of side effects. You'll run into hair shedding. You'll run into aggression. You'll run into things like acne. You'll run into you know skin issues, stuff like that. But if you were to run like Anavar, which is more mild with T-Bowl and run them at full dosages, you're not going to have as many side effects. So it really depends on the steroids. And if you're really that worried, you can always go ahead and run blood work when you're on cycle and see where your levels are at. It's normal for your liver toxicity. The the, the two values that are going to tell the tale here are going to be your AST and ALT levels. And those are going to tell you your liver health when you're on cycle. So yes, it's normal for those to go up quite a bit. I mean, I've seen levels, you know, close to a hundred. I've seen levels even over a hundred or 200 even. And once you get to those levels, then it's, it's not good. But, um, you know, if you get it a high level, the idea is on cycle, you can strain your liver a little bit. And then that's why we come off. And then when you come off, it should come back to normal. Obviously you don't want to, you want to avoid alcohol. That's another thing. So someone say, oh, Steve, I ran blood work on cycle and I ran orals and my liver values were in the 200s. And I was like, well, what else were you, were you, were you drinking alcohol? They're like, yeah, I, I have a, a you know, I, yeah, it's football season. I, I drink some beers. Yeah. With my buddies. Okay. Well, that's straining your, your, your liver right there. Oh, I'm on a couple other medications, one for depression, one for this, one for that. And I'm like, okay, well, that's also straining your liver. These medications, even over-the-counter oral medications from the pharmacy that you buy um, are going to cause liver strain. That's normal. An aspirin is going to cause liver strain. That's normal. So don't tell me that you have liver problems, but you're on like two or three drugs and on, and drink alcohol and take the steroids. You want to be smart. When you're on cycle, that would avoid issues. So, then you know, like I said, blood work tells the tale. If you're worried, run blood work and also run your support supplements, run your liver support supplements. Those will help flush out and detox your body while you're on these oral steroids. So, there's things you can do to help with this issue. Go ahead, Mobster. Yeah, I made some notes while Steve was talking this, Liz, and, and here's how this works for me, right? Is there an issue with the whole first pass of the liver, methylation, et cetera, of all steroids, absolutely, right? But the argument for and against those dust, you have to look at like for like. So if, for example, I was only taking 50 milligrams a day of an injectable, and then I was comparing that to 50 milligrams of the day of one of our chosen orals, 
100% the injector will be better. 100%. There's no denying it, right? But the reality of the situation is that people talk about the, the effects of oral steroids versus injectable steroids, but they're not comparing like for like. Because I don't know if, for example, Steve, I was using, and we're going to discuss this shortly, 30 milligrams a day of Dianabol, the equivalent to 210 milligrams a week, seven days a week, 210 milligrams listeners. I can't think of a single steroid that I've ever used, injectable steroid ever, that I've only used 210 milligrams a week of. Christ, if it's borderline TRT dosing, and no one has an issue with TRT dosing at 210 milligrams. Right, so it makes no sense. You need to compare like for like. The same thing applies, as I say, like for like, dose for dose. Again, the person might say, oh, this is an issue, and the reason why I don't use oral steroids is this. So I go, okay, so again, what dose of, if you're doing a performance-enhancing stack drug, a single one, just testosterone again, Steve, you're almost certainly going to be looking for five, 600 milligrams a week. That's right. 500 milligrams is right in the middle of what almost every person who's ever using injectables ever done. If you're talking about mild cycles, the, the number is always going to be between four and 600. Automatically, at 500, you'd be running twice the amount of testosterone as an injectable than I would if I was using Nebo. So it doesn't make any sense. And there's an argument that goes out the window because, again, as Steve said, the values of 500 milligrams of testosterone as an injectable versus 210 milligrams as an injectable were different. Naturally, you, because you're taking more. So you do need to compare like for like. Something else I've touched upon, and it's literally the other person is making the statement, right? That's not to have a pop at anybody specifically, but as often as not, you, the person that's giving you that comment or answer is coming from a different point of view. Now, that's obvious because they've just said something different, but I also mean what they want from their physique, what they desire. So if, for example, they're light and they want to be lean and they want to be aesthetic, and you're heavy structured, more of a mesomorph versus a ectomorph, then an ectomorph will want, if they've got any sense, and they know a little bit about PEDs, something different from their physique compared to yours. Your structure's different. You might be training for a weightlifting or a strongman competition versus the other person who wants to do to, to be a model, for example, or, or is doing the classic physique, or, or the beach body type physique, and so on and so forth. So it helps if the person you're speaking to is giving you advice, and especially when it comes for a like-for-like type conversation, wants from their body what you want from your body. And then you're more likely to see that your thoughts and comments and the way that you run PEDs lines up. The last one, and I'll touch upon Steve, something that Steve just addressed, and I've mentioned this before, okay? So, for example, over-the-counter drugs such as ibuprofen, it's an anti-inflammatory. You've got some kind of a, 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 a inflamed issues around your elbow, around your shoulder, knee that you've hurt playing football, soccer, whatever, you take an ibuprofen tablet and you're hoping the inflammation to reduce. And what we're looking at is the 200 milligrams. Now, if you go to the doctor, you might be prescribed the very same drug as you're getting over the counter, but at a higher amount overall. So for example, it's not unusual for a prescription or doctor to tell you to take up to four of those 200 milligrams, that's 800 milligrams on anti-inflammatory. Now, we know that anti-inflammatories have effects on the body above and beyond the actual anti-inflammatory information that they, you're hoping that they will do for you. That you're bringing down that swelling and making the, the joint feel better. 
But what they're also doing, and this is on the white script, a little piece of paper, the insert that comes in the box or package that you bought the ibuprofen with. And it will tell you, you can read this for yourself. It will tell you the numbers of people that have these issues or that issue. One of the most common issues for your example, Steve, is it fucks up the stomach. The more anti-inflammatory, it's not just the ibuprofen, but the more anti-inflammatory drugs you use, the more likely perversely you are to inflame the stomach. And actually the point where some people have self-prescribed way too much of X or Y or Z, and that's included ibuprofen, and it actually had internal bleeding. And that's literally because they've been taking two, three, four times the recommended dose. And not only have they been taking it for a few days, they've been taking it for weeks. I can actually think the top professional bodybuilders have done that. And they realize that the reason why they've ended up in A&E or ER, as you say in America, is because of the anti-inflammatories they were using. And as Steve said, if you then went and got the lipids tested, not only can the doctor see that you've got a bleed in the stomach, not just because they put a tube down your neck, but literally from, from your blood profiles, from the results that come back from the lab, but also they will see that other things are out of whack. And that's because you've been bleeding and the body's been compensating. And that's an over-the-counter drug. Pretty much every medication there is, Steve, has some sort of side effect. And here's the thing, and I'm actually going to think of um, Rick Collins, the uh, bodybuilding lawyer the, the, who's been defending various people in court cases for years. And he's actually stated, he went away and looked for the statistics, Steve. And the numbers are, of course, thus. The amount of people that train is much higher. The amount of people using PEDs is much higher because the amount of people who train is much higher. And yet the numbers or statistics coming back in regards to the actual issues that people think are an issue with both for all and injectable steroids are not as high as it seems to feel like it is from time to time. So again, it's one of those things where back up the facts, make sure you're making the right kind of comparison and so on and so forth. And something else, just to finish on this particular topic, we're actually seeing, I think Steve and I talked about this recently, what almost feels like an increase in the amount of people that are using oral steroids. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast today. It's because for whatever reason, uh, in, while injectables, were, and for that matter, oral steroids are almost always popular, especially when it comes to performance enhancement, there's actually a little bit of a swing of the swing on, uh, over towards orals more than there has been before. Hence, again, as I say, the reason why we're doing this podcast. So again, make sure, think about the person that's answering the question, think about what they want from their physique, and then, of course, the, the like for like, especially when it comes to dosages. There is absolutely no way on earth, and you can just do the math, guys, just figure it out for yourselves. And again, like Steve said with the blood test, if you're using a smaller amount of an oral, versus a much larger amount of an injectable, you're kind of compensating for this safer versus less safe argument. And therefore, someone's using three, four times of an injectable, whatever they would use of an oral, it's just the balance of four times more injectable will make as much of a difference as one time of the oral steroid. It's the case. No one's using, for example, Steve, oral steroids at 10,000 milligrams a week. And yet we can find pro cycles out there that, that are absolutely crazy at 10,000 milligrams a week. Not typical, it has to be said, right up there with the record-breaking stuff. And I can't think of a single example in the 43 years that I've been lifting and all the magazines and books, et cetera, that I've come across. I can think of examples of guys that use crazy amount of injectables, but I can't think of anybody that's in the two, three, four, five thousand or more a week of oral steroids. They wouldn't, they don't. And so there's no argument, there's no comparison. So just keep that in mind when you're thinking about it this time.
All right, let's get to the fun stuff now. Let's talk about the parapharma oral options that are available and our bulking picks. And look, at the end of the day, we're going to kind of name some that you wouldn't think would be bulking. And um, But look, anabolic steroids are called anabolic for a reason because you can bulk on really any of these anabolic steroids using these solo and most certainly using them stacked if you so choose. So let's give the example first of, let's say what um, Parapharma has. So their orals pretty much all come in 100 tab sachets as a uh, mobster um, brung that up. I don't know if that's a French word or what mobster, but sachet. I like how you said that on the pre-show. You're like sachet. And look, at the end of the day, like if you're saying kind of posh, Steve, yeah, but those little packages now, we used to get them in little plastic bottles for years and years and years. Nearly all the labs do these little uh, plastic bags. I'm calling it a sachet. You have to tear the top off, and there's normally a little poly bag inside with the actual pills, labeled on the outside, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm calling it a sachet. You can call it a packet, but it's good to go. As you say, Steve, 100 tabs, yeah. pretty much. And I know of other labs that do 25 and uh, typically 50s, and, and then they vary the amount that you get in a package according to the dosage. But from what I can say, Parafarm is all 100, Steve. So let's get to the first one. And the first one is going to be the big one. The Anadrol 50, A-bombs is their slang term. And guys used to, the guys termed it, the, termed it A-bombs uh, back in your day, mobster, because they would take, they'd take one pill a day and they came in 50 milligrams and they would blow up like, like crazy on this stuff. And what's interesting about anadrol, it is a DHT derivative, so it does not aromatize into estrogen, but it does bind to estrogen receptors in the body. So you're still going to get that mass increase and you're still going to get some water weight re um, retention in the body, but it's not caused by estrogen uh, being aromatized. It's, called, it's caused by estrogen binding from the drug. So it's a very unique drug. It's a very complicated drug. And really, it's hard to control that, that issue. And a lot of guys have used Novadex over the years. They found out that they can run like five milligrams a day or five milligrams every other day of Novadex. And that can help control the anadrol estrogen issues that they can get. So Parapharma also has Novadex. So you definitely might want to keep Novadex on hand if you do want to use Anadrol. But look, all you got to do with Anadrol, it's so simple to use, Mobster. It's so it's a very cheap steroid. Uh, it's, it's dummy proof. You take one Anadrol a day, which is 50 milligrams, and that's it. You're done. Um, and you don't have to worry about taking it again. You know, and it's very simple. And you will blow up on this stuff. It The way it's structured, it's structured as one of the top um, orals to prevent muscle wasting. And that's what it was designed for, like most anabolic steroids, to prevent muscle wasting. So when you're on this stuff and you're running 50 milligrams a day, it's going to help you put on muscle. You add weight and resistance training. You add a good diet to it. It's going to blow you up like crazy. Really, four weeks, mobs, or five weeks tops of this stuff, 50 milligrams a day. And if you can't gain on this, then I don't know what to tell you. You must have something wrong with your genetics. You must not know how to train. You must not know how to diet because this is one of the most dummy-proof steroids, as I said. And that's all, really all you have to do, mobster. 50 milligrams a day for, for four or five weeks, and boom, you're done. I, I love Anadrol. 
if I had to choose one oral steroid to run, uh, to bulk with, and um, I wanted to get really big and bigger and stronger in four or five weeks, I would I would go with Anadrol. It's a hell of a bulking option from Parapharma, and it's a damn good option too. Uh, let me refer to the next one. I'm going to call Anadrol, and Steve and I talked about this in the pre-show, a wet steroid because of the uh, estrogen binding uh, that Steve referred to. Anavar for me, and they um, Parapharma does an Anavar 10 milligram and an Anavar 50 milligram. Both of those are go again still in 100 tablet sachets. Uh, Anavar for me has always been a lean bulker, so what we would call a dry bulker also. And typically for me, when I've used this back in the day, I would add even now I would add about five pounds if I was using Anadrol. Now, for, ironically, I don't respond to Anadrol, so my favourite wet bulker. True bulker for me would be Dianabol. Well, we're going to discuss that shortly. So a dry bulker, for me, Anabol's always been a great power drug as well. It adds strength for me uh, when I'm peaking for a strength competition of, of choice. Uh, the five pounds, perfect. Now, when I was doing those competitions, I wasn't trying to keep the weight on, as uh, a lot of our listeners will be when it comes to bulking up. And it's also one of those things, what arguably, Steve, more capable gains. If, and I've heard of Anadrol users gaining 20 pounds how much of that 20 pounds are you going to keep if you're very very lucky if you're head on and you do all the right things which we'll touch upon at the end of the show you might keep six or seven of those pounds so you're going to keep about 40 45 percent maybe anavar you're probably going to keep 80 percent steve especially if you're new to it especially if you're nowhere near your maximum you're going to keep a lot more because there's a lot harder muscle tissue a lot less water and therefore for me, and the strength is absolutely amazing. I, I'm kind of frustrated. I wish I responded better to Anadrol because for both the strength and the size gains, and especially so back in the day, Steve. So, yeah, again, very, very simple. Bearing in mind that you have already the choice here from a parapharma. It's the, the sweet spot for 99% of our listeners is going to be 50 milligrams a day. Anadrol, back on Anadrol again, Steve, ironically, medically, is actually run at higher dosages typically than someone who's using it performance enhancement. I've heard of 100 milligrams a day. It's roughly one milligram per kilo of body weight versus how we would run it at 50 milligrams for performance enhancement. So the safety issue is kind of skewed because, again, it's being medically prescribed to treat a medical condition. You're being monitored and it's actually run at a higher dose as often as not than we would use for in the gym purposes. So that's a little insight for you again. And again, please feel free to check the information. I'll go on to the next one, Stephen, and bring you back in. So, Dianabol, 20 milligrams from Parapharma. Dianabol, breakfast of champions. There are, I think you can still buy uh, on the Redbubble or whatever a T-shirt with that written down for you to wear to the gym for the, for the shits and giggles. This is a little bit of a wet steroid, but it is almost certainly, if and certainly until very, very recently, Steve, was the first steroid that 90% of people until very recently have used. The first thing you tried, the first one you got results from before you sort of worked your way up to injectables and so on and so forth, it's becoming more common for injectables to be a first cycle. But it's one of the sort of ways of babying your way into the sport, and yet it works. It works. My first cycle of of any steroid was Dianabol, was 30 milligrams per day, and I'm saying six, seven, eight weeks. It was a very long time ago. I was age 37, so 22 years ago. 
put on 10 pounds on cycle, kept, I think, five, possibly six pounds when I came off. It's the first drug I'd ever used. Something that Steve's referred to is uh, different drugs giving you pumps. So, for example, the Anavar pumps can be horrible, almost disabling, and they're just un plain good old-fashioned uncomfortable. A Debo pump is much more pleasurable. That's a combination of the water issues, the, the wet steroid, the glycogen that's pulling into the muscles, and it's just, again, possibly because it's what the first steroid for a lot of people, the first time that you've got that kind of pump and know that you're on steroids. And there's something that Steve touched upon at the beginning when we were talking about Pyropharma and why we approve of them and recommend them as a source. I have had free Dynabol given to me and ran it. I believe I'm going to say, Steve, close on 11, 12 days, something like that. That's all that was there that was available to me at the time. And it's my fault and something that I actually talk about when I'm on the forums, making sure you've got the products that you need to run before you start the cycle. And I didn't do that. So I was waiting for product to arrive and nothing happened for the whole fucking 11 days. That was free, so I wasn't out any money. And the moment the legitimate product turned up, like Parafarm, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, four days, four pounds. It just stuck in my brain, Steve, that I'd had something given to me for nothing and it hadn't worked, so I wasn't being ripped off, but what 11 days had been wasted. And the moment a legitimate solid product like Parafarma turned up, I gained four pounds in four days. That's how quick it worked for me. Again, like Steve says, you've got to make sure you've got your choice of AIs. I, there's no point having too much estrogen issues for various reasons that we could discuss on another show. And the bloke does help a little bit with water retention, et cetera, with wet storage for leverage, specifically for strength, as well as increased glycogen, as well as firing up more muscle fibers, et cetera, et cetera, just because you want a form of testosterone. But I would always run a, some sort of AI or serum with Dianabol. I'm like that pretty much on every stack, Steve. But so regardless, I always like to put something in there. I don't want to risk any issues. And again, sensible dosages. I have seen... Uh, people that have had success, great success, as they say, with 50 milligrams. And at the top end, for very short periods of time, and this is certainly where I would keep it under four weeks, two to four weeks, at the beginning of a competitive, competing bodybuilder cycle, up to 100 milligrams. But again, sweet spot for most of our listeners is going to be 30 to 50 milligrams. Back to you, Steve. Yeah, and, and Debo, again, just like Anadrol, I consider it a dummy-proof steroid. Um, you know, very, very cheap steroid. They've been using Dianabol for years, Mobster, even before the golden age. Um, Arnold, uh, a lot of you know the story who've been around bodybuilding, but Arnold back in the day, he would take, you know, a handful of Dianabol every day, especially in the off-season. And he loved it because it, it increased his pumps, and it gave him a nice little androgenic kick along with his DECA or his Primo that he was using because those are the steroids that guys had access to in those days. And those are the steroids. Those were their bread and butter steroids. So you can just add in some D-Bowl to any stack and it'll give it a nice little punch. <clears throat> you want to keep in mind with D-Bowl as well, um, you know, I, I recommend, you know, some guys will run it um, – it comes in 20 milligrams with parafarma, but some guys will run it at 40 milligrams up to 50 milligrams. But if you're going to run it at those types of dosing, I highly recommend you pick up the parafarma aromacin. And aromacin is an aromatase inhibitor. 
So Dynable, you know, we talk about Anadrol as a DHT derivative. Dynable is a testosterone derivative. So it will aromatize into estrogen quite heavily and quite quickly. So you can get on Dynable and after a week, you would be holding a lot of water retention. You would really blow it up. The moon face thing is a real problem with a Dynable. So you want to make sure you're using an aromacin along with the Dynable because the aromacin will disable that estrogen from being able to aromatize into estrogen, which causes that water weight, that moon face, and, and a myriad of, of side effects. So you want to make sure you have yourself covered on that for sure. But Dynable, look, it's a dummy-proof steroid anywhere from 10, 20, up to 50 milligrams a day. And then you can run it for as long as your liver can tolerate a, a I know Mobster likes to run it a little longer, but I recommend anywhere from four weeks to six weeks with Dianable. No problem there. Um, and it boosts your appetite like crazy. I, um, I, I've never used a steroid that, that boosted appetite like Dianable does. Um, so it's basically testosterone in a pill is the way I look at Dianable. And that's, that's why Dr. John Zeigler brought it um, to the attention of American uh, athletes and Olympians because they wanted something that didn't require an injection and something that they could just uh, take. So the next one we're going to get into is Superdrol. And Superdrol comes in 10 milligram per pill with Paraforma. And look, Superdrol is a beast of a steroid. It does not aromatize into estrogen at all. So it's like Anavar, but that doesn't mean you can't bulk on it. Again, we have to remember just because it doesn't aromatize an estrogen and cause water retention doesn't mean it can it won't make a great bulker because it will. And Superdrol, look, I use Superdrol like within a week on Superdrol, I added five pounds to my frame. And it wasn't water retention. That's the crazy thing. So this stuff can absolutely bulk you. It's not going to put on 20 pounds of water weight like Dynaball will, but it will absolutely cause you to have rapid increase in lean body mass, big muscle mass, not just lean body mass, but also big muscle mass, and also with strength. But it's extremely toxic, extremely toxic. I never recommend on the forums to stack anything with Superdrol. If you're going to run Superdrol, run it by itself two to four weeks and keep the dosage under 30 milligrams. I've tried doing 40 milligrams. It's just too toxic. You're going to feel sick and fatigued all day. So I don't like it at such a high dosage. Toronobol now is similar to Superdrol in that it doesn't aromatize into estrogen. But on the other hand, it is much less powerful and much less toxic. So I like Toronobol. If I'm doing a very dry lean bulk where I want to put on a few pounds and that's what it's going to do. Um, I like to use it um, myself a lot and I'll run it by itself. If I'm doing a lot of endurance activities, like if you want to go hiking, climb a mountain, do yoga, do jogging, do swimming, do kayaking, canoeing, do a lot of fishing, stuff like that, where you're living an active lifestyle, which I like to do then T-Ball is perfect. And Parapharma T-Ball comes in 20 milligrams. So if you still want to want to not lose your endurance, you still want to stay athletic and, and, and you want to go that route, then T-Ball is a really good option for you. Or if you want something really, really mild when you weight train, that's going to give you just very, very little amount of pumps 
when you weight train or no pumps at all, then T-ball is a good option just for very, very lean muscle mass. Mobster? Something I've said in other shows when it comes to T-ball is it's vastly underrated. Trainable is vastly underrated by the majority of users. And it's a great shame. Um, I've actually noticed this because I did this when I was doing research for myself when I first started using steroids. I was thinking about using steroids. And, and the same applies now, Steve. It was much more highly rated by those people that have studied steroids as, as a science, if you like, the use of steroids for performance enhancement looked at the chemical structure, the bonding, the, the, this and that and the other and whatever else. And they absolutely rate T-Bowl way more highly than you would think would be the case amongst the actual users of Tyranobol. It's specifically designed by a government for sporting purposes, specifically to enhance athletic ability and that power. And I'm thinking of the East Germans, because that's where it came from, with a Stasi number, shot putters, discus, javelin throwers and so on and so forth. It weren't bloating up like the size they got in the previous years when it was causing issues and the media was all over it at those times with newspapers and stuff. And so, yeah, to run a bowl for me, again, would have absolutely be a lean bulker. I would expect if Anivar puts on five, I'd actually expect a little bit less. But again, solid gain, Steve. And, and, and again, more so like Steve, for example, who does a little bit of middle distance, 5K runs and so on and so forth. I, I can't, I can barely walk. <laughs> if I use 50 milligrams a day, and if I, as has happened back in the day, I would have, if I walk to one mile to town, the pumps would kill me, and I'd have to stop and massage my shins. Uh, so I would have me probably running there, Steve, by comparison, just to illustrate it. And I'll just I'll touch on the last one quickly before we talk about diet and training stuff as well, Steve. Again, not what you would call a bulker per se, but you can bulk on all steroids. And so, for example, uh, they do a wind stroll in both 10 and 50 milligram amounts. And again, this is the thing, guys. It's a, it's a question of optimal versus uh, your particular personal choices and what you're trying to get out of your cycle. I would see wind strolls to actually stack, Steve, with something else, more than it's been running its own. And of course, wind stroll, if you was using it at comparable levels to Dynabol, might arguably cause you more side effects than the Dynabol and not positive ones with regards to hair loss and the like. So keep that in mind. Let me touch on now. I've just I've sped over with Stroll, but again, not a traditional bulker as such. Way more of a lean bulker. Let me touch on now. And I mentioned it right uh, almost at the beginning of the show. So as the, the whole thing of bulking, some of you listeners want to bulk because you're struggling to put on weight. So there's a bunch of tricks. And the one that stuck in my mind when I was talking to Steve in the pre-show, and again, touched on this briefly earlier on, if you think about bulking type foods, I've seen forum posts along the lines of put up your favorite bulking meal. And we do, we do, we do this on logs now, Steve. What, what kind of uh, chicken are you having? What kind of steak? And people will post their logs. This is what I had to eat last night. And occasionally include photographs. We are, as human beings, unbelievably visual when it comes to food. That's the reason why chefs talk about presentation as much as the actual proper cooking of food because it makes you hungry. So a trick, if you like, if you, especially if you start, struggle with appetite, is to make the food that you're eating more visual or even better, Steve, how simple is this? Just look at nice food online or in a magazine or in a book. It's going to make you want to go to the fridge. So that's for you, those of you that are struggling to eat. Something very quickly, and I'll let Steve jump back in again. If you do struggle, eat quickly, 
and I mentioned this before, because eating slowly is actually cheap for helping people to lose weight. Eat quicker. Don't give yourself heartburn or whatever else. Just eat. Get in there. Sip some water. Boom. Put the food in. Simple, simple stuff. I've done things like in the past, Steve, uh, a very small, high-protein meal just before I go to bed. Now, you wouldn't normally recommend this. You want your body to be digesting the evening meal that you had six, seven, eight o'clock at night. Now I'm talking about almost a snack. But that's kind of what you want because you're trying to bulk. You're trying to gain weight. So, for example, I had a four-ounce steak and a couple of boiled eggs, glass of water, and it was literally – I was staying up to watch TV in those days. I got to bed a lot earlier now for one reason or another. And I would eat this high-protein meal. It's actually the same sort of thing they give to Air Force pilots. Uh, and, and relatively, it's not a huge volume of food in there, but the high-protein is going to help with muscle tissue repair. And it's not too difficult to digest. You don't want a super heavy meal that's going to be rumbling away in your stomach and keeping you up half the night. That's no good at all. So something small, something compact, something nutrient-dense food. If you are going to, and I know some of our listeners like to do this, we don't typically recommend the over-the-counter supplement shop brought protein bars. Guys, make your own. Make your own. And if you do make your own, they're going to be a lot healthier. Those, I would, if you're going to have to have a protein bar as a snack. Please let it be something you've made for yourself, frozen, shrink-wrapped, put to one side in the fridge, whatever, that you can eat again as a high-protein snack if you struggle. Super small things, Steve. Don't miss out on breakfast. It's a modern thing, high-speed society. You're out there killing it. You're hustling. You're doing this, you're doing that, and you miss out on breakfast. And if you miss out on breakfast, you're more likely to overcompensate with a crappy high-calorie meal later on, is full of crap because you're hungry so you're having breakfast make it again nutrient dense the yogurt based stuff with with um, granola that kind of thing steve high protein again you can add some protein to the, the the yogurt itself and so on and so forth what about you steve what high protein snacks would you add to your daily diet that would help you bulk up before we finish yeah so look my my view on this is sometimes it's not about what you add but it's what you don't add so we're talking about toxicity and liver toxicity throughout this podcast, and we're giving you examples of certain steroids that cause more toxicity than the others. So how does it make sense to make your body more sick and more toxic? Of course, that's going to kill your appetite. So stop putting things in your body that kills your appetite. So when it comes to snacks, avoid certain things. Avoid the weight gainer shakes. And you say, oh, Steve, what are you talking about? Weight gainer shakes, they're good. They're, they're made to increase your, uh, your size and, and add weight to you. Well, they also contain a lot of toxic chemicals in them and preservatives and sugars and all this other crap that doesn't belong in our body. So when you, when you drink a weight gainer, it basically kills your appetite and makes you feel nauseous. How does that help us? So it's all about eating good, clean, nutritious foods. And, you know, look, you want a snack on something? How about some raw nuts? Raw nuts are packed full of good fats, lots of calories, very calorie dense. And as long as you're not allergic to them or you don't have uh, an issue with digesting them, certain nuts are, are harder to digest. Hence why in nature, it's hard to crack open a nut. You know, that's the reason because our ancestors had to do a lot, expend a lot of calories 
to open up a nut. Open up. You ever try opening up a coconut with your bare hands? It's really, really hard. Um, even using rocks and sticks, it's very, very difficult. And many of you will spend your entire day trying to get that thing open. Well, that's what our ancestors had to do as well. But damn, once you're getting that coconut, it's full of calories and it's very cal calorie dense. So any type of nut is going to be hard to get open and calorie dense. So you want to make sure you don't eat too many of them. But look, your fruits and veggies are your friends. They're full of vitamins, minerals, electrolytes. They're great, especially on these uh, oral steroids, especially on something toxic like Superdrol. You definitely want to get in your fruits because they'll help hydrate you because you tend to get dehydrated on some of these oral steroids that um, that will kind of uh, throw off your electrolyte balance and balance and stuff. You start sweating and you find yourself nauseous really, really quick. So you want to be careful uh, what you put in your body and only put good, clean, nutritious food. So that would be that would be my advice there, Mobster. So finish out with your final thoughts and take us a disclaimer. Make sure you're killing it in the gym, guys. Pay attention to what you're eating. Visualize the food if it else makes you hungry. Cleaner and leaner is better than dirtier. That's just common sense, really. But what the hell, guys, it's your choice. And will Parapharma orals help you bulk 100%? Get everything in place the way that you're supposed to. Go to the gym and grind, especially on the compounds. Make sure there's, I, I've been hungry on some of these PDs, Steve. So hungry, in fact, that I'm eating food and I'm thinking about the next meal I'm going to have. That's fucked up. I shouldn't be thinking that if your appetite's that crazy, you know something is going on. You should be stimulating it with the work that you do and you should be absolutely killing it with a knife and fork. But make sure if you can, guys, cleaner is only and leaner is only because you've got to get rid of the body fat otherwise. Give Barra Farmer a look. Let us know what you think in the comments below, as always. Please note, we are not doctors and opinions are ours. It is our view based on our experience and views on the topic. A podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment.